I just want you to, to listen to what he says for just a moment. I'm going to read this passage, um, and then I'm going to pray and ask for his help. But this is in Matthew chapter 18. I'm just going to read what he says in chapter uh, 18, verse 10, down to verse 14. So chapter 18, verse 10, and I'm going to read down to verse 14. Here's what it says. This is Jesus talking. He says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels, the little ones' angels, do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of, the, of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I want to ask you to pray with me as we study the, the Savior's words together. Lord, Please help us to hear what Jesus is saying. Please help us to take it to heart. Encourage us with it. Strengthen us with it. But most importantly, Lord, would you help us to obey it? I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. The journey of forgiveness, and I mean this whether you are seeking to be forgiven or are trying to forgive someone. It works both ways. That journey towards forgiveness, it's a long and windy and difficult journey. And by the way, I'll go so far as to say, I'll add this thought, that if it's not long, it's not difficult, I just question whether or not you're really forgiving. I think some people forgive a little too easy. Oh yeah, not a problem. Sitting at home bitter, steaming, upset, and angry about it, but you've forgiven. No, nah, you hadn't forgiven anything. I think the real forgiveness Real forgiveness is one that's long and difficult and hard. I think that as you're on that journey, again, whether you're seeking forgiveness or whether you are seeking to forgive someone, there's going to be times it may seem like you're never going to fully be able to forgive or be forgiven of what you've done wrong. If you've done something against somebody else and you are genuinely seeking forgiveness from them, you might sit there and say, man, are they ever going to give? Are they ever going to forgive me? Are they ever going to let me off the hook for this thing? There may be times where you'll say, I just don't think I can ever live down what I did wrong. And there may be other times where you're sitting there and you're trying to forgive somebody and you say, well, I don't think I can ever be reconciled with them. I'm trying, but I just can't get there. Maybe it's a, a child who's gone wayward and, and you love them, but you just want them to do right. And you just say, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. You get to that place. You may say, well, I don't think I'm ever going to see that person that hurt me. I want to try to forgive them, but they're never going to actually repent. They're never going to turn from what they did wrong. How can I forgive them? And you're saying, well, I'm ready to forgive and, and they act like they're trying to be forgiven, but I don't see a real transformation in their attitude and what they're doing. You, you get to that place where you just don't think it's ever going ever to work. It's just never going to fix. And, and I say that, and I want to I very, very quickly, I hasten to add, we can't ever forget what Jesus says in the prior verses, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, that our sins that we've committed are egregious 
are destructive. They are shameful. They are ultimately worthy of death. What we have done. So it's not a surprise that we're sitting there saying, I don't know if I'll ever be forgiven of this thing. It's also the same can be said of those sins that have been committed against you. Uh, Those sins are egregious. They're destructive. They are worthy of death. So it's not a surprise. It's not natural for you to forgive because what Jesus said is our sins are terrible. But in this section that I just read to you, verses 10 through 14, uh, Jesus encourages us to not give up. Don't give up. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. That phrase, despise not, he is saying essentially, be careful that you don't look down on them. Don't look down your nose at them. Don't don't think that you're better than them. Don't think that you're ever in a position where they can't ever be reconciled. They can't ever be forgiven. Don't ever think it's too far gone. He said, don't consider them, in so many words, he's saying, don't consider one of Jesus' little ones a lost cause. Don't ever think that way. Now, why is that? Because thinking that people are lost cause, giving up on people, that's the opposite of the heart of Jesus. Do you know what the heart of Jesus is? Well, first of all, he is the very essence of love. John, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 says that God is love. He is the very essence of love. He then pursues us sacrificially in love. Uh, 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 we just heard him sing about the love of God. And he, he mentioned John 3.16. Ken mentioned John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Not that he gave us a big old hug. What did he do? He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. His, he sacrificially gave for people who hated him, who did not love him, who went against him. So this is the heart of him. And he loved us, Romans 5, 8 tells us, that he loved us even when we were sinners. He didn't wait for us to come around to start loving us. He didn't wait for us to change our mind to start loving us. He didn't wait for us to change change our attitudes and behaviors. No, no, while we were yet sinners, he showcased his love. He commended his love on the cross. He died for us. And he says, I love you that much that I'm going to die for you. This is the heart of Jesus. He's not sitting there saying, I don't think that one's going to come around. Let's just give up on them. That's not the way he works. That's not his heart. He has a heart of love for his little ones. Now, in the context, I I, I want to make sure you don't forget this because we've talked about this a couple of times, but it's an important point. In the context, Jesus is talking about the little ones. Those are primarily, the primary interpretation of that should be that he is talking about Christians, believers, those who come to Jesus in faith. That's who he's talking about. That's the little ones that he has in mind. I don't think I'm doing a disservice by adding to that or or expanding that a little bit to say, really, it's anyone who is marginalized, anyone who is weak, anybody who needs Jesus. That's the way I'm kind of interpreting. Primarily, he is talking about believers. That is, let's make sure we know that. I'm simply saying, I think within that, we can talk about how Jesus loves those who need him. Because we all need Jesus, don't we? That's who he's talking about. And he's encouraging of these people. He's encouraging us to say, take heed, be careful that you despise not, that you don't look down, that you don't give up on these little ones. And then he goes on to give us in this passage four reasons. I want to give you these four reasons. Four reasons we should never give up on forgiveness for ourselves or forgiveness for other people. Four reasons he gives us here in this passage. I want to show you in verse, the first one is that 
Jesus, first reason that we don't want to give up is that Jesus is always watching over his little ones. Look in verse, verse 10. He says there, the, the, the reason I'm telling you not to despise, he says, because I say unto you that in heaven, the, their angels, the angels of the little ones, do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. He is saying that Jesus has made sure that there are angels watching over every one of his little ones. Now, y'all ever heard of the concept of guardian angels? Y'all know this. this is not uncommon. That's a lot of where this is coming from. It's from this verse because there are actually angels. Now, we could argue, and we won't do it right now. We'll wait in the parking lot. We'll have this. No, no. We're not going to do that. That's, a, that's me joking, y'all. I'm not going to fight y'all. I'll run if you start trying to fight me. Uh, but seriously, in all seriousness, we can debate a little bit about what these angels are. Are they angelic beings in heaven? Seraphim and all that, that kind of thing? Or are they, and I think this is also very possible, that these could be messengers from God. These could be pastors. In the Bible, a lot of times there's an interpretation that a pastor could be an angel from God. I believe, as, as the Bible talks about, sometimes we're entertaining angels unaware. I believe that these may sometimes be angelic beings, truly. That's possible. That's my opinion. It's also very possible God uses people just like you to be a messenger to help somebody else. All of that is simply to say, don't get too hung up, as I just did, on whether this is the guardian angel or not a guardian angel. Just know that Jesus has something watching out for you. He is looking out for each one of his little ones. He is not going to let them go. He cares too much. He is watching. He is caring. And he says there that these people, these, these angels, look what he says there. They do always behold the face of my father. That phrase, behold the face. What he's saying there is they've got God on speed dial. That's what he's saying. They're right there in his presence. They can, the minute something goes wrong and, he, and that angel sees that, that angel is able to contact the father and say, one of your little ones is in trouble. That's what he's saying with that, that phrase. So the point I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus cares. He's come to save. That's what he even says in verse 11. The Son of Man has come to save them that are lost. He says he's not, he's not watching them just watch them fall off the cliff. He's watching them because he wants to look out for them. He wants, he cares for them. He's looking for them. He's come to save them. And I want you to know that he's not going to let you get too far out of his sights either. That may mean when you're trying to forgive somebody and you're working to say, I just don't think it's going to happen. You might be, I don't know if this is between you and God, but you might be the angel that God sends to watch over them. You might be. You might well be the one that God has sent to you to walk. So don't give up on them, even when they disappoint you. And let me just go ahead and forewarn you, they are going to disappoint you. Just like you've disappointed people, those people are going to disappoint you. But God may have put you in their path so that you can be an angel watching over them for yourself. Jesus cares and he's invested in you. He's watching over you. So don't give up. You might say, well, it seems hopeless. I don't think we're making any progress. I don't think that anybody cares. I don't think I'm ever going to get the forgiveness that I'm looking for. Don't give up. Jesus is watching. He's looking out for you. He has got something, someone overlooking you. Even when it feels hopeless, he is right there watching over you. So why should we not give up on people? God's watching. 
over his little ones. Jesus is watching over his little ones. Second reason we shouldn't give up is because Jesus is always seeking out his little ones. He's not just watching them, but he is going and pursuing them. It says there in verse 12, it says, how think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that one that is gone, which is gone astray? He cares enough to go and find the one that is out of the way. Even if that means literally seeking one person. I, I, I do believe this. Now, first of all, let me make a couple of statements here. Jesus died on the cross. Y'all believe that? He died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Y'all believe that? I believe that. But did you know, I happen to believe that Jesus loves you. And you put your name in there enough that if you were the only person that existed in the world, he would die for you. He came for you. You see... Preachers, church folks, you know what we want? We want big crowds. I'm just, I'm talking about my folks, us preachers. We like to have a big crowd. Give us a thousand people. We'll take that any day. I will, oh my goodness, give us thousands. We want big crowds because we got a little bit of ego in us. We all do. And if anybody, any preacher tells you you ain't got an ego, he's lying to you. I just want you to know that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Telling somebody the other day, we all have to have a little bit of narcissism in us to even get up here and preach just a little bit. And it's the honest truth of, truth of the matter. And we need to, that's, a, that's a, something we got to watch out for. It's a, it's, a, it's a concern. But I'm just, but seriously, preachers, they like to have big ground, crowds. Do you know that Jesus didn't die for crowds? Now, did he die for the whole world? Absolutely. First John chapter 2, verse 2. Not for my sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He died for the whole world. But you know who Jesus really loves? He loves people. Not crowds of people, but individual people. People who are alone. People who are, feel like they're lost that nobody else cares. He cares for people. He doesn't, yes, he, he, I believe in heaven there's going to be, Revelation chapter 5, there's going to be thousands upon thousands gathered around the throne. Throngs of people worshiping Jesus. But each one of them individually say in that Revelation chapter 5 that because of the slaughtered lamb, Jesus Christ, we have become, we, he has made me something. He has done something to me. It's not that he just saved us all by bopping us on the, on the top of the head. He's individually come to me and he cares for me. There's an individual part to this. You see that people matter to Jesus. People have value to Jesus. People are worth the effort to Jesus. And again, I say people, but I want to make sure I emphasize this. You are valuable. You are worth the effort. Individual people. You can think of people in your mind right now that, are, that nobody else cares about. Or it seems like nobody cares about. I bet you they don't think nobody cares about. I guarantee you Jesus cares about them. He is pursuing one. He spares no expense. He will go by any means necessary. There is no one that is gone too far. He's not done. He's known and experienced the very worst that you could do. Did you, did you know this about Jesus? He, he knows how bad you are. <laughs> you can't run from him. Remember Jonah? He's trying to go, the, if you go to the map and see what Jonah did, he's supposed to go this way. He literally goes this way. And he thought, because in that day, you get on a boat and go to the, the ends of the earth, he thought he was getting away from everybody. But you know what God did? 
He followed that joker to the middle of the ocean and brought a whale up to take him out of there. You know why? Because you can't run from God. God knows exactly what you're doing. He knows you're going to run and he's going to chase you. He knows what you're up to. He went to the cross and bore on his back your sins. You can't tell me he doesn't know what you're up to. So I'm telling you that to say you can't get too far. The, the minute you think you're too far gone, it's the minute that Jesus is still looking for you. He's still coming after. He's still pursuing. There is no one that is overlooked. He will not leave us alone. Nobody gets forgotten. Not even those people. Let me just go ahead and tell you, if you think you've gotten away with something, oh, I did it. Nobody knows about it. I'm sorry to tell you, sir. I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am. That's never going to be the case, especially if you're one of his little ones. Hebrews says that whom the Lord loveth, loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourgeth every son that he receiveth. God knows what you've been up to. And he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to come after you individually. He's coming. He's looking for you. He will not leave you alone. So God, is, or Jesus is always seeking out his little ones. The third reason we don't need to give up is that Jesus is always going to rejoice over his little ones' repentance. Look at what he does in verse, uh, I believe that's verse 13. Yes. And if so be that he find him. Remember in verse 12, that shepherd is going after that one sheep. And he's going everywhere looking for that one sheep. He leaves the 99 at home. But then in verse 13, if he so be that he find that one sheep, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the 99 which went not astray. Now remember, you've got to understand this in the context of what we're talking about here, that Jesus loves you so very much. So much that he is and he lived the very definition of love. He is love. I told you that God is love, but he lived the definition of love. You go to 1 John chapter 4 and look at verse 10. He says, herein is love. This is what love looks like. That he comes and he dies. He's the propitiation for your sins. But if he loved you in your sins, this is Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, if he loved you when you were a sinner. You go to Romans 5 verse 9. He basically says, how much do you think he loves you now that he's paid for your sin? If he loved you when you were unredeemable, how much do you think he loves you now that you are redeemable? Not only redeemable, you have been redeemed. How much do you think he loves you? And that intense love that he has fuels his joy over you. Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah says this in chapter 3 and verse 17. The Lord thy God will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God in heaven is singing over you. He is singing love songs. He loves you. He is overwhelmed with his joy for who you are. Now that's just, just that's just sort of is. That's just the way it is. But then, when you go off into sin, when you run away from God, when you do something that's wrong, when you need forgiveness, and he goes looking for you in verse 12 on our text, and then he finds you, verse 13, all of that joy that he has singing over who you are because you are redeemed, because he loves you, because you are his creation, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, because you are what he wants, because of that, all of that joy, all of that excitement that gets intensifies when you repent of your sin and you turn back to him and say, 
I'm coming home. <laughs> when he does, when you do that, it produces a relief, a joy. I mean, just think about this. As if you've got children, grandchildren, and any one of those have gone and disappointed or done something that you didn't like or something that was hurtful to them, and then even if it's for a moment, even, even if it didn't fully pan out like you, want, like you wanted it to, but for a moment they came back. How much relief, how much joy does that produce in you? Now intensify that a billion times because the God in heaven, he's doing that with all of you all, and he gave his life for you. That's why the same, same message that Jesus gives here in Matthew, he, it's relayed over in Luke chapter 15. And he adds this thought in Luke 15, that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Said another way, Jesus gets real happy when somebody says, I'm sorry, I'm coming home. Much more than that religious stuck-up snotwad sitting in the pew said, I ain't never done nothing wrong. And if that's you, I'm sorry. And I ain't talking about you. Not on purpose. But take it or leave it. You understand? Jesus, he gets happy when somebody gets off in the mud but decides, I need to come home. I need to come back. I need to repent. I've done wrong. I need forgiveness. He gets happy over that. But those people that say, you know what? I'm not dirty. I ain't never been dirty, and I ain't going to go to that. Those people, he ain't got a whole lot of use for them. Jesus wants your best more than even you want your best. 3 John chapter 4, or verse 4 rather, says that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That makes the Lord happy. I'm telling you that because if Jesus is rejoicing over his little one's repentance, do you think he's given up at the first obstacle, the first bump in the road, the first time they fail him again? Do you think he's given that up? No, sir. No, ma'am. He is not. Because he cares so much, he's rejoicing over his little ones. Lastly, the fourth point, the fourth reason we don't need to give up is that Jesus always protects his little ones. See what he says in verse 14. He's really kind of justifying what he's done in verse 12 and 13. He's seeking after the one leaving the 99 behind and getting happy when they come and they're, they're, they find them in verse 13. He says, even so, it is, it's even so it is not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus is actively working to protect his little ones because what he doesn't want them to do is he doesn't want them to perish. He doesn't want ultimate harm to come to them. Make sure we, I emphasize that ultimate harm. It's not to say that we're never going to have any trouble in this life. Uh, sometimes this is just part of the, the process of life, uh, disease and pain and people hurting us. That's, that's part of life. Where it's a human condition that we live in. So he's not necessarily protecting us from that because that's the world we live in. He will take us away from that one day with absent from the body to be present with the Lord. We will come out of this, out of this world and be in his presence forever. We'll have that one day. But this ultimate harm, he doesn't want, can I just put a real fine point, big bold letters? Jesus does not want people. He does not want humanity. He does not want you to spend eternity in hell Forever, He does not want that. That is not his will for you to perish. And he does not in this life, he doesn't want his people to destroy their lives and their testimonies with sin. 
That's what he's saying here. He's saying he's going to do whatever it takes to protect. He's not, it's not his will for them to go to hell. It's not his will for them to destroy their lives with sin. That's not his will, and he's not going to stand by and watch it happen. Again, I can only appeal to you, for those of you that have uh, children or nephews, nieces, grandchildren, you know how this is. They might, they might go do something that hurts them. They very well could. But it won't be because mama or daddy sat there and said, yeah, go on and do it. I can guarantee you, I know most of you well enough to know that's not why it's going to happen. They're going to do it over your objections. They're not going to do it with your support. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. That I'm going to do everything I can. Which is why in verse 6, going all the way back up to the beginning of his message, in verse 6 he says, I'm going to punish those people who lead my little ones astray. In verse 7, he's going to give us conviction from the Holy Spirit. He's going to give us conviction to stop us in our tracks to say, that ain't right. And I don't like it. He's going to tell us that. That's what he's doing. He's going to say, whoa, there's shame that's approaching you. You need to stop this. That's why in verses 8 and 9, he is willing to take extreme measures. I believe that's why God removes us sometimes from situations. We may sit back and say, well, God, I really liked what I was doing there. Why would you take me out of that? He might be taking you out of that protect you. He might be, you may say, well, well, I, I, really, I really want to continue in this way, maybe this job or this thing that I'm doing. He may say, no, 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 <laughs> you keep doing that. You're going to destroy yourself. You're going to perish. He's going to take us out of that. I believe that's why some, and this is a semi-controversial statement that I'm about to make, so y'all can take it or, again, maybe we can have words about it later. But, uh, but seriously, I think it is a little controversial. I believe it's why some people, we don't know all the details because they're between them and God. But that's why some people are not with us. That's why I believe God actually takes some people out of this life earlier than you might expect because he knew it would be better to pull them out of, the, out of the game than to leave them on this planet. That's what I believe. You and I can disagree, and that's fine. But that's what I believe. I believe that he's willing to take extreme measures. And he even, we'll get into this in the coming weeks in verses 15 through 20, he'll even send his church after us. If a church is doing what it's supposed to be doing and it's in service of the king, you know what the church is going to do? Do exactly what Jesus is doing. Pursuing that one that's lost. Pursuing that one that's astray. And he's going to send his church, giving them all the power that's in heaven. That's what he says in verses 15 through 20, that the church is going to go after these people. All that's to say, you know what? Jesus is not going to leave you in your sin without some intervention. He's not going to do it. He's not going to. Especially if you're one of his, if you are a believer, he is not going to leave you there. I will go so far as to say, if he leaves you there, you are not one of his, and you need to pay attention. If you can get away with it, and you can't get it, you can, and nobody and it doesn't bother you, and, and the Lord isn't coming after you, I will argue for what one man's opinion. I don't know if you're one of his. But if you are one of his, He's not going to let you rest. He's not going to leave you alone. You are going to be bothered. He's going to move you. He is going to come after you. He will not leave you in your sin without intervention. Ultimately, I want to go back to the beginning statement I made that I recognize that both giving and receiving forgiveness is a long and tough journey. 
But I want you to be encouraged by what Jesus is saying not to give up. Jesus cares for every one of his little ones. Those that have been harmed by sin and those who have sinned and harmed other people with their sin. I believe he cares about all of us. Don't give up. Don't give up if you feel like you're far from Jesus. Don't give up. Just quit running. (laughs) Stop. Stand still. He'll find you. Stop. Come back to him. Don't give up if you're seeking to reconcile with a brother or a sister or a friend or a loved one. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay with it. Stay right there. Know that Jesus is fighting. He's the one that's going to win them over. And you're just going to stay with him, hang on to his coat. You're just going to hang on to it. Don't give up if you're feeling some conviction in your heart. Maybe it's some sin that you're struggling with. Maybe it's something that you're, you've done against somebody else and you're being convicted over. Don't, 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 don't give up trying to shut that down. No, no, don't do that. Instead, respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting and repent of that. Don't give up. You say, well, Matthew, I've already repented. I'm doing the best I can, but it feels like I'm walking in the mud and I'm not making progress. I'm not making progress towards what I think I ought to be doing as a Christian. I just want you to know, Jesus says, don't give up. Don't give up. Hang in there. Hold on. Hold on a little longer because he is with you. He is on top of this. He is actively working on your behalf. And if you're trying, like the Dickens, to forgive somebody or somebodies, a bunch of people, whatever it is, I don't know how big the group is, but if you're working like the Dickens to do it and you just can't, don't give up on them either. It is the will of God that none of his little ones will perish. That's his will. That's his will. So I'm going to invite you to come and follow Jesus. Do what he does. You say, well, I can't do it like Jesus because I'm not Jesus. I understand. I can't either. But I'm saying just kind of get behind him. Just get right behind him. Let him handle it. You just hang on to his coat and you get behind him. So why don't you come and follow Jesus? That's my invitation to you.